Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and will increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to the Side Action, episode 61. This is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Pool on Instagram or Twitter. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at SideActionPod on Twitter. So, Action, uh, we had some big sports this weekend, as we outlined on the episode last week. How was the rest of your weekend? It was nice. Uh, we had another weekend of kind of mild weather here in the Midwest and got outside a little bit and ran some errands. And uh, outside of that, just really kind of settled in. Uh, we did go check out Windsor a little bit on Saturday. Nice, like nice. Win something. Uh, won a little bit on the table games. Some blackjack. Had a nice shoe. Um, I, we looked at the prop cards for some of the NFL games, but uh, like I had mentioned previously, you have to parlay everything in Canada. So I couldn't quite find two that I liked to parlay. I gotcha. Gotcha. How was your weekend? Pretty good. You know, my sister was in town. I think I mentioned that. We hit up a new restaurant that I hadn't been to before. This uh, Mediterranean place. Nice. Uh, around here. Aura Mediterranean, I think it was called. And that was really good. And we hit up the Green Mill, which is a great jazz venue here in Chicago. If you haven't been, it's a old school place. Been around since at least the 20s here in Uptown. So that was awesome. And then on Saturday, I did... You know, watch the games with uh, Ridgeway. Ended up at Nisei Lounge, one of our favorite places. And we played some darts, even though we got the crappy darts. But um, you'll be happy to know that I was able to win against uh, Christina and her partner, you know, one on two. But <laughs> I know you're a great dart player, Action. But um, that was awesome. And then I just kind of watched the games on Sunday. Uh, didn't do too much. And um, into my week. So. Ready for this weekend, to be honest with you. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to do a plug before we get into our thing. I'm, I am in the last year, those of you listened to last year's episodes, I did a dating event or a singles event last year um, you know, at Cindy's Rooftop. That was a wonderful event. Um, this year, we're going to do another singles event, a little bit different format. It will be a cash cover, so to speak, to get in. Uh, more details to follow, but we're going to do that on February 7th, uh, which is three weeks from tomorrow. Uh, just finalizing all the details, but I will promise there will be a DJ. There will be some fun, you know, games slash contests and uh, just an opportunity to meet people that are single outside of the apps again. So, you know, meet the old fashioned way action. Yeah, I, I heard last year was a great time and obviously get a chance to get out and meet some singles in Chicago. But I think the real question the listeners have is what is the expected <laughs> male to female ratio? Well, I, you know, last year I can't promise this again, action, but last year it was a crazy, like 70 females to 30 males. Wow. Um, we had over a hundred people. So it, it was definitely slant in the lady department, a lot of single ladies a lot of beautiful single ladies and not enough gents. I was scrambling the last three, four days once registrations were really rolling to actually get guys to register. Um, so it's a unique situation. A lot of people, in fact, I was on Facebook the other day and I saw somebody talking about singles or something and some guy put sausage fest or something. It's a kind of a classic thing. 
On the contrary, guys, it's not a sausage fest. I will bring the ladies, promise to, to bring it. So if you come, there's going to be women there for you. So um, hopefully it's closer to a 50-50 split. That's always the ideal. Mm -hmm. But um, typically speaking, my partner is a woman, so she has a lot of female friends, and, and I do too. So usually it's actually harder to find the single guys. So if you are trying to meet somebody new, uh, February 7th here in Chicago, I'll get the details out on the next episode. All right. We'll be looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, let's review this episode, get off the self-promotion. Uh, we'll review the college football title game from this past week. Uh, we'll talk about college hoops and how we did, and then a little note on the Big Ten homestands uh, here on the pod. Go over the action power ratings, our games of interest, touch on the UFC, and then, of course, the NFL, which is in its championship Sunday. We'll talk about the divisional round and then our big picks for this week. So pretty healthy episode but we you know we're starting to pare down as we uh get through our seasons here aren't we action yeah it looks like football is quickly going to be behind us and certainly i'm ready to turn the page it's kind of a down football season for myself ready to focus on basketball a little bit yeah me too me too well let's talk about college football first it wrapped up you had the fcs and the fbs games um sorry it didn't hit the under on the fcs game action oh, oh i got it by the hook wags Oh, you did? Yeah, got to get in there. Best of the number. Oh, that a boy. That a boy. Way to go. Um, so it was, okay, so what did it finish out? 48? Four, you got 48 and a half? Yes, I did. I think the final was 28-20. If I remember oh, correctly, James Madison was driving late in the last minute, got into the red zone, and threw an interception with about 15 seconds left to ice the under. That's right. The Bison won again. That team is unbelievable. Uh, it was a great game, I guess, in Frisco, Texas, or wherever it was. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit nicer than the expected. It, like the sun came out and burned up the snow or whatever, and it was gorgeous. So a little more scoring, but didn't get over your number. Um, but in the big game on Monday night, interesting game action. I think I'm the cooler because I, I flipped on the game. I had bet Clemson plus five. I, you probably got him at five and a half because you were better. And the total was 69 and a half. I flipped the game on on a 17 to seven when Clemson was up. <laughs> And I smiled, and in the end, uh, I guess I was the cooler because they got outscored, what, 35 to 8 from that point on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, America, I failed you. Um, and that game sailed over as well. Interesting game. I think that in the end, here are my takeaways. LSU looked really fast on that track. They looked faster than Clemson, really across the board. But on the flip side, I know early that Clemson was successful in blitzing Burrow, but once they figured it out, they kept doing it, and they, they couldn't stop them. They, you know, number one, I think his name was Kendrick, the, the corner for Clemson, just kept getting isolated. They never went to zones, and uh, Burrow just lit him up. And I can't remember the receiver number one for LSU, but he's a stud. And then Randy Moss's kid lit him up too. And in the end, it was. And, and then they got away. Clemson got away from the run. They just threw the ball every time, and Lawrence looked bad. So I don't know your takes on that situation. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I will correct you, though. I think it actually went over the closing total of 66.5, oh. but throughout the week the total was 69.5, 69.70. So um, the books kind of got middled a little bit on the total. I think that was a bad landing spot for the most part. But I totally agree. I think that Clemson really got away from their game plan in the second half, and they leaned way too much on the pass, and Trevor Lawrence was just off on Monday night. I think I read mm -hmm. 13 or 14 overthrows 
So yeah, certainly a performance that he'll want to avenge next year. And he's coming back, and it looks like they're going to be favorites to go undefeated again, get to the college football playoff. Right, you got to figure that's the odds-on situation. Uh, Burrow smoking his stogie afterwards, and Odell Beckham handing out cash. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, one of the biggest props that didn't hit was um, your roommate was not there. I was bummed. <laughs> I, I, I saw that he wasn't going to be there. I'm like, what? Now he was in um, was a Baltimore mm-hmm. for the Titans game, but but um, some of these props you did hit on the Trevor Lawrence under rushing yards, correct? I did. Yep. I'll did you also hit the passing yards? Did you hit that? I, no? I didn't bet on the passing yards, no, and I'm not sure where Lawrence ended up. I did have a, another winner with Joe Burrow over rushing yards. He looked to mm-hmm. run all game long, and he flew over that one. Uh, a couple of receiving props I had in there. I ultimately broke about even on the prop side, though, to be honest. Did you have any? Yeah. No props. I just lost the, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I'm just working on that small total right now and <laughs> I'll have to re-up soon, but I was just trying to stay afloat and did lose that bet. So I just kind of stayed away the rest of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? But yeah, so that closes it for college football for the year for us. I mean, obviously you had already mentioned that Clemson's the you know favorites overall and then to get to the playoff. Any other teams that you like off the cuff? I mean, this is a year out now that you like that they'll probably come back and and tear it up in, uh, I guess, 2020, 2021 season. Well, I mean, Ohio State's certainly going to be good again next year, but mm-hmm. I haven't looked at the futures board yet myself, and to be honest, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I will. I don't really like the prospect of tying up cash for a year's time yeah. for something right. like that. So, Understood. I'm one of the guys everybody's watching is that Derek King from Houston, right, that he might go to the Sooners and all that kind of stuff. So the transfers really impact those futures quite a bit. Uh, so we'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. So close the book on college football. See you later, guys. I was still pretty bad. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hopeful that Bill Connolly comes out next year and redoes his stat profiles. That was one thing that I think was missing from my handicapping this year. I'm sure he had them available. It just weren't posted like they used to be. Right. When he went to ESPN, he kind of, it was a little bit different, more difficult to find his stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I follow him on Twitter, but. I literally have to look on his page to kind of get some of the stuff sometimes. It's true. Well, let's go into college hoops now. We uh, we had a you know kind of a mixed bag week up and down. Um, you know, obviously on the podcast we talked about Memphis playing Wichita that night on Thursday. Wichita did win and covered that game. They look really good, uh, although they lost this week, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've got. Butler came through for both of us. Thank you for getting me on that action. Butler won at Providence. They were only a one-and-a-half-point favorite when you told me. I got them at two, but they won pretty easily at Providence, uh, although they lost two uh, this week, right? Yep. Uh, and then you've got uh, Ohio State and Indiana. Uh, you like the first half under, but for once that didn't hit. What happened there? Oh, a quick shooting start for both teams on Saturday morning mm-hmm. was really crazy. The first five minutes – Rob Finnessy hit three three-pointers, and Ohio State was matching them shot for shot. And then after the first five-minute flurry, it kind of died down a little bit. They barely got over the first half total, and then the mm-hmm. second half was completely slowed down. Ended up with the Indiana victory 66-54, to which stayed well under the full game total. Interesting. Kind of inverted mm-hmm. the handicap there. 
for Texas Tech and West Virginia, the total was definitely under in that one. We not a rocking chair situation, but we knew that. Uh, I guess it came out at what, 120 was 6654. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won that one pretty easily. Uh, I think the total it wasn't 128 when it posted, was it? I think so. Yeah, if I recall, okay. I was on that one. It was either 128 or 129. Certainly. That's awesome. So that's uh, you know a couple of just a total rock fight with those two teams. Uh, one that didn't hit, uh, sorry, Penn State, I guess you are going the wrong direction now. They lost with Wisconsin coming to town, which is against what we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but, yeah, Wisconsin is starting to be a pretty good road team, and that was another super low total, man. I mean, 58-49, and you said the total was 132.5? Yeah, um, Wisconsin is certainly an under team year in and year out. They play extremely slow pace, so definitely a team that is going to be trending under more often than not. One of the games that I was just highlighting, I didn't bet, and I kind of regret, but um, Baylor was playing at Kansas. This is a battle for Big 12 supremacy, and they were nine-point dogs on the road, but Baylor took them down, and they won pretty easily by 12. The game stayed under the 133 total. It looks like Baylor is the team to beat in the Big 12. Yeah, definitely. They are really good, and they've got that young point guard who is lights out from the perimeter, and... um, like always, they're a very good rebounding team, too. So going to be very formidable heading towards March. Now, I pulled my numbers earlier in the week. I didn't do it yesterday. I probably should have refreshed. But Baylor was up to three in Ken Palm, I mean, a couple days ago. So that's a hell of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last game, Michigan at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota was a short favorite. They weren't this short of a favorite. I guess the closing number but they won pretty easily uh, by eight points. They covered the number that day against Michigan. So Michigan's road woes continue, and uh, you know these Gophers are pretty tough. Yeah, they certainly are, um, at home at least. I think that Minnesota's mm-hmm. another team, when they go on the road, not quite the same output. But uh, that could be said for all Big Ten teams in reality. That's right. Now you've noted, as I kind of mentioned, Seton Hall came through and beat Butler at Butler. That's a big win for them. Um, What is your stat here that you're giving up? Uh, This was definitely the game of the night last night on Wednesday. And the impressive part that I saw was just how they posted 1.15 points per possession against that Butler defense, who Mm. before last night was in the top 10 of Ken Palm and defensive efficiency. So I was really impressed by Seton Hall. Of course, you've got Miles Powell. But they've got another big guy inside, Gill, who was extremely impressive last night against the Butler Bigs. And mm-hmm. uh, it led me to search for some futures today. And I put in uh, Seton Hall to win the championship at 40-1. to 1. Any thoughts? You mean the NCAA championship? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a big number. I don't know about that. I mean, I know Miles Powell is a stud, and he's obviously healthy now with that concussion issue from earlier. But, uh, I mean, hey, I mean, it's a flyer, man. I mean, you can't beat that. That's a, a good number. I would still take Butler over them to win the championship. I'm sure their numbers are still, you know, not too small anyway at this point. But. Yeah, I mean, Seton Hall's defense now sneakily into the top 10, ranked 10th. And anytime you have a score and a superpower like Miles Powell, then I think that there's a chance he, a player like that can make a run to the championship a la Kemba Walker. Yeah, exactly. Even what's your guy last year, Jared Culver, you know, was a hell of a player, and the guys around him just supported him. So it can work. It definitely can work in college. 
Look at this. Action always gives you these nuggets from these far-off conferences. Houston Baptist, uh, which conference are they in, Action? <laughs> I can't tell you what conference they're in. Uh, SWAC, maybe? The continue assault, quote-unquote assault, college poops. Right, going for their fifth straight game, and now they're twelve and two. So, what's up with Houston Baptist? Well, Wags, what's not up with Houston Baptist? <laughs> they are the worst defensive-rated team in the nation, three hundred and fifty-three. And okay. how do they pair that by running, of course, the most fast-paced up-and-down basketball game that they could possibly run, first in pace now. And mm-hmm. uh, that may lead to some higher scoring games, as you might imagine. I'm looking yeah. at their sheet here and looking back the beginning of the season, the opening total was 159. Well, that has steadily climbed throughout up into the 170s. You've got a game against Central Arkansas that hit 178 and mm-hmm. they are just flying over totals. They have gone over the total by an average margin of 20 plus points in their last five mm-hmm. games. And I don't think that odds makers can set totals high enough for this team. Um, last night they played New Orleans, and there was a total of 204 points in the game. Wow. Well, they are in the Southland, just in case anybody's checking. Thank you. Yeah, so Houston Baptist, huh? Well, I mean, I'll get them on my radar. I start doing my kind of conference-by-conference breakdown in terms of who's on top and who's going to make the, get the bids and start tracking bracketology and – I love seeing teams like this mainly because, I mean, you know, they're they're playing a different style than everybody else. You know, they're playing the old um, Loyola Marymount style, you know, just go up and down and score a bunch of points. And what can you say? I mean, you might as well make some money. I can tell you that they're a long shot to make the tournament because it may surprise (laughs) you that this style leads to a 1-13 straight up record. I see that. They're 12th in the Southland. But, hey, man, come the, they can get hot to come to the tournament play a little bit of defense. You know, they, they can do it. But 12-2 and two to the over. Love it. Uh-huh. Uh, well, let's talk about the other tidbit you put in for college basketball, and that's the Big Ten home cooking. Uh, you want to run through these stats for us? Yeah. Uh, credit to the three-man weave here, a podcast and blog that I've been getting into a little bit more this season. But mm-hmm. uh, they did a little research, and – it looks like the Big Ten home teams are now 35-6 and six straight up overall in conference games this season, and that includes uh, Penn State's win at the Palestra. And, um, of course, we're not necessarily interested in straight-up wins here on the Side Action Podcast. We are looking for ATS results. And when you dig yes. in, you see that Big Ten home teams are now 26-15 and 15 against the spread, which is a very nice 63% with an average cover of five plus points per game. Mm. So this trend is certainly something worth monitoring. And when you look even further, they found that home underdogs have been unbelievable against the spread going nine and two so far this season and covering by an average margin of 13.7 points per game. And eight of the 11 have won outright as underdog money line winners. So, would this be? Would an example be the Purdue Boilermakers against the Michigan State Spartans yes. that we that you got me on to lose? It's uh, <laughs> not your fault, man. I took it. But um, yeah, they came out of the gates. They can't score, and all of a sudden, just came out of the gates smoking, hitting threes, and then they still won the game like by twenty plus points in that one. They mm-hmm. rocking chair for them, and that was a huge money line payout. Yeah, Purdue definitely fits that bill. Ohio State and Indiana had. Uh, a money line underdog winner when the Hoosiers on Saturday 
And when you look at it, actually, the league's top teams have been terrible against the spread on their travels. Michigan, Ohio mm. State, Indiana, Purdue, Penn State, and Michigan State are now a combined 0-17 against the spread on the road. Ooh. Ouch. Well, that's the ones we're going to target then. Yep. <laughs> I've got a couple actually in my list. I'm sure they're probably on your list too for this week. Okay, well, that's great information. I mean, we obviously are in the Midwest, so we do maybe slant a little bit to the Big Ten, but it's a deep conference this year, so you're going to see all these teams in the tournament, not all of them, but a lot. So you might as well get used to it and listen to our podcast and listen, learn more. So that's really good information for betting. Mm-hmm. What about the action power ratings? Has there been changes in this rating? A couple of changes at the top, not the very top. Duke still clear cut above everybody, now four points mm-hmm. clear of the field at number one. Despite the loss to Clemson. Yeah, I saw that. Behind them is Kansas, Gonzaga, and Baylor into the top four. And uh, Michigan State, a newbie to the top ten in West Virginia at number six. Mm -hmm. And followed by Butler, Dayton, Ohio State, and Louisville. That's right. West Virginia is, I believe, now the number one rated defensive team in Ken Palm. So, you know, Hugs is back with his squad. They had one-year hiatus from being good, and now they're back at it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Dayton's up there, too. That's a team that maybe they've been in the top ten before. We haven't talked as much about them. That's a heck of a ball club outside of the power conferences, per se. This index and Ken Palm, they're not discounting you know anything for these teams that are playing in other conferences, which come March is what you're looking for. Yeah, definitely. I do often refer to Ken Palm's strength of schedule metrics, though, mm-hmm. when looking at these, because there is something to be said about his numbers not really accounting for a strength of schedule. When you look at the likes of Gonzaga and Dayton, for example, they don't quite play the same caliber of opponents that these other teams in the top 10 do. So certainly something to monitor as you get closer to the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you've identified several games here. Let's go through them. Hopefully uh, there are my games that I didn't put on there. Um, Let's start off. You've got a home team, though, here in the Big Ten. Friday, we love the Friday night action, don't we, action? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Wisconsin's playing at Michigan State. Sparty's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 132. Looks like you're leaning Sparty, though, to get back on track at home. Yeah, I think this is just a really great scheduling spot for Michigan State. You've got them coming off of the shellacking they took against Purdue mm-hmm. over the weekend. And uh, Cassius Winston just really wasn't himself. And I fully expect that the Spartans are going to come out and look to open a can on Wisconsin this weekend. So on the flip side, I think this is probably a game that Wisconsin hadn't really intended on hanging in. They've come off a couple of big wins of their own right this past week. So I think that is probably a look ahead spot for them. Gotcha. One of the things that in watching the Purdue game and knowing that they were going to win, do you think that other teams can mimic the way that they defended Cassius Winston. They kind of walled him off of the lane and made other guys beat him. They didn't let him penetrate. Mm -hmm. They kind of didn't let him have any creases. They just literally was almost like shoulder to shoulder in the lane, especially in the second half when they were trying to push to get back in it. Do you think other teams in the Big Ten can do that technique or it's just you know, Purdue has a pretty good defensive team. Yeah, I mean, obviously Purdue's defenders are, are a cut above most of the Big Ten. Purdue's sixth-ranked defense in the nation, although Wisconsin's not too far behind them, uh, 23rd-ranked. I just don't know that Wisconsin has the athletic players who can stay in front of Cassius Winston. I 
don't expect Brad Davison to have as much success as Nogel Eastern, for example. But um, sure. certainly the pack line defense has its merits. You've seen Virginia mm-hmm. play it very well the last several years, too. So sure. I do agree. But I think it was more so just Michigan State having an off day, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next game is Michigan, again, road team, uh, at Iowa. Iowa's a tough place to play there. Iowa's only a four-point favorite, total being 148. Another one that you like, the home team in Iowa, I, I do too. I think you said you got it at two and a half already, didn't you? Three and a half on Three open, half. but still a good number here at four. I think mm-hmm. uh, we just talked about the handicap earlier. These Big Ten home teams have been flying and on the Iowa side, you've got the big man, Luca Garza, who is just playing out of his mind right now. I've watched him play the last several weeks, and he is just dominating opposing big men in the paint. No one can stop him right now in the Big Ten. And Iowa has been hot. They've covered their last two. And on the flip side, you have this Michigan team who is now 0-3 in their last three games against the spread on the road at Iowa. I think this one's a slam dunk. It is one of the games identified, Action, Nice work. thank you nice all right the next one is auburn at florida florida's a one-point favorite uh total being 141 on saturday auburn finally got beat this week too we didn't mention that Mm -hmm. but they they they're not undefeated anymore san diego state is the lone undefeated team in the country uh the gators have had kind of a rough start and this seems like they do this every year but they start off kind of slow but they metrically are a good team you like Florida and the short number. Yeah, I just think that Auburn is vastly overrated this season. This is a team that they defend well. They've got Wiley, the big guy inside, who is a very effective rebounder, and a couple of guards on the perimeter. But I think that Auburn, in reality, has been playing a step above their metrics. I just talked about the strength of schedule metric, and when you look at the Auburn ratings, they have played hardly any opponents that are worth anything. They've played the 220th ranked schedule of opposing defenses. So I think that their early season success has been a little bit overblown. And for that reason, I find myself on Florida. I gotcha. I mean, look, we've kind of talked about Bruce Pearl's team and he obviously can coach, but eventually the team will come back to the mean. Now they made that great run in the tournament last year, a little bit surprising, but Florida, they're a good defensive team. They've been this way. And it's Mike White. Is that his mm-hmm. name? He can coach defense, and I think eventually it'll win out. We, we talked that they should be better. So they're underperforming. Auburn is overperforming, so I do like this spot for you. Thank you. The next one, Houston at Wichita. Uh, this is a big game in the AAC. Houston dominated uh, the conference last year, but Wichita is back for the most part. There are uh, Wichita's four-point favorites at home. Total is 138, so their Saturday game. You don't have a lean here. Uh, I would obviously personally go with the Shockers because, you know, I am a Shocker at heart. Um, but are you looking at Houston in this one? Yeah, you know, I kind of I wanted to play Wichita, but as I ran the numbers, I, I'm not sure that they're going to have much of an edge in this game. They look to right. be pretty even opponents across the board, and mm-hmm. I make them about even on a neutral floor. So you're just talking about a home court advantage. And in this game, I'm not really sure that Wichita – is worth the four points. I would probably have a look towards the under in this one, though. I think it's likely going to be a little bit more of a defensive battle. You've got a Wichita team that's 20th ranked in defense, and both of these teams like to slow it down a little bit. So if anything, I'd be looking under. Okay, gotcha. 
Another Big Ten game. We're going back to the Big Ten early and often. Uh, Purdue is going to Maryland. Maryland's a four-point favorite at home on Saturday with the total being 120, really low. Uh, do you have a lean in this one? Oh, yeah. Definitely <laughs> uh, going back to the home team well here with the Maryland Terrapins. Okay. I'm okay. not really sure how Purdue is going to avoid getting blown out in this game. <laughs> uh, okay. They have been terrible on the road this season with a 2-5-1 and one record against the spread. And Ouch. we just talked about it earlier, how they came off a high-flying performance at home against Michigan State over the weekend. I think this is a prime spot for a letdown. And on the other side, you have a Maryland team who's coming off two straight losses, both on the road. Mm -hmm. So you add those things up, I think it's a slam dunk on Maryland. Now, these two teams are really good on defense. So the 120 makes sense that it's going to be a low-scoring game. That's a pretty low-scoring game, though, 120. Uh, any interest in the total at all? I don't think I would have interest in playing a Purdue total over on the road. Their offense has not shown up for a road game this season, and they're playing the 345th pace right now. So right. I do not think I would be going over in this game. Yeah, I mean, the 7th the and the 8th best you know, defenses in America. So I can see that. It's just whew, low, low total. Um, the next game you've got is an ACC. We're going to ACC, everybody. Uh, Louisville at Duke. Duke is a seven-point favorite on Saturday. Uh, the total is 137. Louisville's been – they started off hot. They were number one team for a while, but they've kind of ebbed it a little bit in my view. Duke got beat at home for the first time against Clemson in Clemson's history. So are you leaning to Louisville on the road? Mm, I don't think so, but – um, I'm not sure that I can play Duke either, to be honest with you, in this game. Mm -hmm. Definitely looks like a good scheduling spot for them. As you mentioned, they just lost the other night at Clemson, and now they're coming back home. But to lay a number like that with Duke, uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to get to the window. Do you have a thought on the side in this one? Not on the side. I mean, the total, though. I mean, these teams are pretty good. I mean, they're 4th and 14th in you know on defense. I don't know about your pace number, which is what I should be looking at, but 137 seems like a big total for this game, so I'd probably go under the total. Okay. Yeah, I think you're probably looking in the right direction there. You've got Louisville likes to slow it down a little bit, and both of these teams are very good on defense. Louisville 14th ranked and Duke at 4, so certainly seems like it's a recipe for an under game. That's right. Oh, here we go. My Scarlet Knights are on here. Minnesota is playing at Rutgers. Rutgers is a three-point favorite at home on Sunday. The total is 100, 133. Hey, man, I'm going to wear my Scarlet Knights jersey on Sunday when I'm watching football games because I'm all over Rutgers, too. So it looks like you like them? Oh, yeah, definitely all over Rutgers. I played them the other night at home against Indiana, and this is a very similar spot against Minnesota. I th mm -hmm. don't think that Minnesota has an advantage in any statistical category in this matchup. You start with the rebounding, where Rutgers is going to have a big advantage on the inside. Geo Baker is now back off of injury and didn't look like he had missed a step in the win versus Indiana. And um, this is just a slam dunk spot for Rutgers. I even considered shopping for futures on them today before I reconsidered. Ooh, Big Ten futures? No, national championship. <laughs> <laughs> this guy well hey you never know here's what i love about Rutgers. welcome to the big 10 Rutgers. you're actually playing a sport that people watch and you're worthy of the conference now true i mean we know they stink in football and they last year they were yeah they're okay in basketball they're getting shellacked a lot most of the time but this year 
they're a really good basketball team. I mean, they're in the top 40. What do I got them at? They're 32 in Ken Palm when I looked them up. Now, the team isn't great offensively, but they're 13th on defense. I love that. I mean, teams that play defense can go anywhere, and they've, you know, they've been pretty tough on the road, unlike the other Big Ten teams. So I'll be on the Scarlet Knights for you, too. Yeah. You've identified it. Oh, go ahead. I, I also like the under in this game quickly. Mm-hmm. I think this Rutgers team, especially at home, is a dead under 13th ranked defense. And like you mentioned, they play a slow pace, and Minnesota is even slower. So I'll be looking at an under in this one as well. Nice. Here's a game that you did identify. I, I want to see your side on this one. Butler, you know, the, the Bulldogs are going to Villanova. The Villanova's been the class of the Big East forever. Villanova's a short, if you're projecting a short favorite of one point um, at Villanova on Tuesday, it's a little bit advanced, total of 129. Which side are you looking If that's that short of a number, I got to be all over Villanova. I was going to identify that game anyway mm-hmm. um, because Butler, I think, has been great and I love them. But this is still the Big East, and I think Villanova's still there for them. But if it's this short of a number, I'd be all over Villanova. Yeah, this was Ken Palm's number. So uh, when I wow. post these, I usually put up Ken Palm, which I think a lot of the odds makers in our Caribbean friends like to do. <laughs> and um, I, although I would not be surprised at all to see Villanova two and a half or three in this game, I think that it's probably warranted based on recent history. And for that reason, I think you're going to find some value on the Butler Bulldogs. This team is much superior in the defensive department, and their offense is better than Villanova as well. So I uh, think that I'll be looking at Butler, a team who has been dominant on the glass. And uh, defensively, I'm just not sure how Villanova is going to score on them. They're fourth ranked in defending the three, and that's really the way that Villanova likes to play offense. So... I'm not sure they're going to be able to find much success. And you've also seen Butler go on the road and win some Big East games already this season. So I have no doubt they could do it at Villanova. Gotcha. Okay, two games that aren't on the list. Sorry, Action. Uh, that I'm just kind of interested in. One is tonight. So, you know, by the time this comes out, everybody will know the, the result. But the uh, Santa Clara Broncos are going to the Zags tonight. And they're 19.5 point dogs on the road. Santa Clara has been playing pretty good basketball, and that's a you know that's Art Murphy's alma mater, uh-huh. the you know Artemis Prime. So I'm just curious to see if the Santa Clara team's decent or for real. There's usually another team outside of St. Mary's. Actually, BYU is pretty good this year too, but you know outside of the top teams in the WCC, that San Francisco last year they kind of were really good, were in the mix for something. I kind of feel that Santa Clara this year. But we'll see. I want to see if they're for real so I can start maybe betting on them uh, second half of conference play. Okay. I can tell you that I did lay the hammer with Gonzaga in this one. (laughs) I think that um, they're going to be out for a little bit of blood tonight. And recent history between these two teams has not been kind to Santa Clara. So I think this is kind of a bad matchup for them. Steve Nash is not walking through that door. No, he's not. One other game of note that I'd be interested in the number is on Saturday in the SEC. So I'm not ignoring you, SEC. Uh, the Kentucky goes to Arkansas, and I really like this Arkansas team. We've talked about them a couple times on the podcast. Um, I'm assuming that Kentucky's going to be favored, but we'll see. Uh, they're just pretty big differential in Ken Palm in terms of the overall number, but this Arkansas team plays great defense. They're in the top 15, and as good as Kentucky has been, they can struggle at times, especially on the road. And as much as I've, they are my future, you know, my champion from the preseason, 
but I would like to see a short number for Arkansas or even Kentucky favorite on the road here by name, value, and take the Razorbacks. Okay. It does look like Ken Palm has Arkansas listed as a two-point favorite in this one. Perfect. So That's me. it looks like you are going to be catching some value with the Wildcats there. And we didn't mention it earlier, but Kentucky also upset this week on the road at South Carolina on Wednesday night. So they're mm-hmm. coming off of a disappointing loss and certainly will be looking to bounce back against the Razorbacks. But I will say on the Arkansas behalf, Eric Musselman has this team playing some really good ball right now, uh, especially on defense. They're 15th ranked, and I think that they might be able to give Kentucky a little bit of trouble. The Where they're going to get hammered, though, is on the glass they are way, mm. way in the bottom, two forties, three hundreds on the rebounding side, and Kentucky mm. certainly has an edge there. So, will be an interesting matchup. Definitely. Well, we'll see. I think two points. I'd still take my Razorbacks. We'll see how it goes. I, I would like the under in that game, though. Now that I'm okay. looking at these two teams, I know Arkansas has been playing pretty slow, and Kentucky likes to mix it up too. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I close out college. Basketball, that'll be a big focus, especially in the off week between uh, Championship Sunday and the Super Bowl. Well, let's talk about another sport that we sometimes touch on, and one of your favorite guys in the UFC. UFC 246 is going on on Saturday. The big event is Conor McGregor against uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, McGregor is a Wow, heavy, minus 337 favorite to plus 277 for Cerrone. Any thoughts on taking the uh, the dog in this one? Yeah, <laughs> I think that <laughs> uh, that's the only way to bet these fights. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that Cerrone definitely, I think it's Cerrone, but I'm not sure. I'm, probably, you're probably right. I don't call myself a UFC aficionado. But I think that Cowboy has an advantage here on the ground if he's going to get him down and grapple a little bit. I have heard reports, though, that Cerrone has come out and said that he's planning to stand up and uh, fight McGregor on his feet, which I think he'll have a supreme disadvantage. And his reasoning for doing so is because that's what the fans want to see. So if you believe Cerrone, I definitely think that McGregor is the pick here. But uh, you could find some sneaky value if, for some reason, he actually wants to try and win this fight and get McGregor on the mat. Hmm. I was hit, listening to Vison a little bit today. Apparently, there's a, a part of the card, an under not unknown, but an up-and-coming fighter on the female side. Uh, her first name is Rachel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know her last name. But supposedly, she's fighting a higher-ranked opponent, but is a heavy favorite. So um, not that there's that much online for me to bet on the futures of her winning the title, but that's somebody to watch in future UFC cards. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think there is another big fight in the women's side between Rockwell Pennington and Holly Holm. That's her. That's her. Oh, Pennington. Ra- yeah. Raquel. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's her. Sorry. Not Rachel Raquel, whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like there's some sharp money coming in on Raquel. I think she opened plus 140 or so and is now bet down to 115. So, Definitely. But she's still plus money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm all in. The guy, the UFC guy said she's a lock. Okay. <laughs> and uh, to circle back to the title fight, I think that there is a little bit of value if you were to want to bet this one on the over in the rounds. Mm. You can go over one and a half rounds at minus 130 right now. And presuming that Cerrone does stick to his word and try to fight on his feet, I think there's a good chance that this fight will go past the first round. 
Gotcha. Okay. Well, hopefully he he's smart and last passed the round for us on that one. Any other comments on the UFC? No, I don't think so. I put in a few feelers to some of my uh, UFC buddies, and we'll see if we can get some hot picks coming. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, let's get to the big ticket, the NFL. We'll start off with the divisional matchups that, you know, it's interesting. I mean, most of the games win is scripted. The only one, of course, that didn't was the Baltimore one, although – you know, I I did think they'd keep it close, and the Titans, man, they, they've got the formula right now. Mm-hmm. Let's start with that one, I guess, uh, because since that was the big one, our big upset, the Titans came out, and, you know, you watched the game, I'm sure. It looked like the Ravens were kind of in control initially, and then they had that tip pass interception, and then that subsequent drive, the Titans scored, and then the very next drive, I think, was the keep drive when – Harbaugh kind of inexplicably went for a fourth and one at midfield. I know he's confident in his squad, but given the Titans that short field, and all of a sudden they're down 14 nothing, and that game was not over, but it kind of changed the complexion. And unfortunately, uh, Lamar didn't play very well on the big stage. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you could fault Coach Harbaugh for going for it, but I think what the outcome happened when they failed to convert and then Tennessee scored on the next play is what ultimately right. changed the game because after that moment, they were never the same. They ne- they didn't run their offense. They got away from the ground game completely. And I think that they uh, kind of freaked out a little bit. And ultimately, that was their ending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was one of those situations where, I mean, Lamar, if you looked at the, the stats, it kind of not lied, but, you know, I mean, they had like 500 yards of offense or something crazy. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the turnovers kill you. And it was really five turnovers. They had three turnovers by Lamar. Um, the, you know, the fumble interceptions, but then he also had, they went for fourth and one twice and got stuffed. And that just, it kills you. And all they need is Derrick Henry to just go off again, 195 yards in that game. Tannehill now, I'm sure you know the stat. He didn't throw for over a hundred yards in two straight games. I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of the NFL since like 1932. Huh. I believe it. I mean, it's certainly remarkable the way they're winning these football games, and um, I'm not really sure they can keep it going. Exactly. On the uh, the rest of the AFC side, we'll talk about them first, I guess. Texans went to the Chiefs. What a crazy game. Awesome game on Sunday. Obviously, you know, to be honest with you, I flipped the game on a little later. I was driving somewhere. Huh. And I had it, and then I flipped it on the radio in the store, and I came out and I flip it on, and they're like down twenty-one nothing, and then twenty-four nothing. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Um, but I actually didn't panic because you know I had bet the Chiefs, of course, the minus nine and a half, and boy did they roll that team. Bill O'Brien is still looking; he's still trying to run some fake punt from his own thirty-five yard line. <laughs> yeah, some questionable coaching decisions by Bill O'Brien again did them mm-hmm. in. I mean, it was a completely Fast start for the Texans. They were out 21-0 and looking to make it more, and he panicked and didn't go for it on fourth down in field goal range. They ended up kicking the field goal, and I think that was the turning point in the game ultimately because it likely led to his fake punt decision. Right. But I think it must be said how poor the Houston Texans defense played that game. Kansas City Chiefs went on like eight straight touchdown scoring drives, and they just couldn't stop them at all. Travis Kelsey was just eating on every possession. Yeah, at some point you'd figure that you'd double-team Kelsey, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, it looks like Mahomes is dialed in. The offense was just doing what they wanted. 
And defensively, really, if you kind of look back at the game, you're kind of saying, well, they scored all those points. They scored 31 points. But there was a block punt by Houston to get a score. There was a dropped punt inside the 10 for another score. So the defense actually acquitted itself pretty well against Watson and the gang, and uh, especially after the 24-point spot. But I'm looking at that. That's going to be the key matchup when we get into the uh, championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agreed. So. And, of course, the total did go over. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then uh, if we go to the NFC side, Vikings and 49ers kind of played true to – both these games kind of played true to what we thought. Uh, the Vikings were, I'm not saying tired. They were just a different team than the week before. They didn't have the same juice. They played okay in the first half. But that rested 49er offensive line and defensive line just dominated the Vikings and – in the end, it really wasn't that close. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game was over, and it was a they, they covered easily, and so they covered their spread, and that total stayed under. Yeah, the Niners really dominated that game from start to finish. Never really felt like the Vikings were in it after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're going to face off against the Packers. Now, this was a different game. This worked exactly according to script, as we discussed, except that the Seattle didn't cover Mm -hmm. um (laughs) they uh the Packers came out kind of played really well we're dominating Seattle Seattle looked kind of like garbage in the first half we're trailing big 21-3 at at halftime and then Russell Wilson does what he does he just you know it's interesting they they talked about on the broadcast how Schottenheimer said that Russell Wilson can run anytime he wants but typically he asks that he doesn't run as much in the first half And so as soon as the second half turns, Russell's running for yardage, which of course messes up the defense. He's opening the, the playbook up, you know, and he played outstanding as, as he's done all season. Unfortunately, they missed that field goal in the first half and didn't get the two-point conversion to get inside the number. And do drop that critical first down pass, which would have kind of got them to midfield in their last drive. And then the Packers, to their credit, converted 9 of 13 third downs in the game, including two critical ones on that last drive, one questionable one at the end of the game, and they won the game. I mean, I don't think they were outstanding in the second half, but they had a big enough cushion to withstand the onslaught by Seattle. Yeah, that drop in the fourth quarter was certainly huge. I, at that point, was feeling like Seattle had a chance to come back and uh, Mm -hmm. score there, and um, there just weren't quite enough possessions for Russell Wilson to get back in the game, but you really do kind of have to ask questions about the Seattle game plan. If they Mm -hmm. were able to have so much success passing the ball in the second half, why were they not doing that from the very beginning? Um, I guess we'll never know. And now Green Bay moves on, and I'm not sure that they have much of a chance against San Francisco either. Yeah, good transition action. We don't have to go over the index because we only have, you know, the few teams, although, it is kind of interesting when you look at the remaining teams from last week and this week. The Packers are so much further down the list. But let's do well. Let's do that game first. Okay. I think there's less intrigue. The Packers are playing San Francisco. It is the late game on Sunday. It's 6:40 Eastern, 5:40 Central. Uh, right now, it's listed that San Francisco is a seven and a half point favorite at home. The total is 45. You said it. I agree with you. I don't see the Packers having a shot in this game. I know that seven-plus points is a lot for um, an Aaron Rodgers team, but to me this is not the same Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what if it's an injury or it's just the comfort in the offense, but he is not hucking and chucking. They've been running the football to get their leads for the most part. They're not going to be able to do that against this defensive line. No. 
And more importantly, I don't think the Packers can stop the run. They stopped Marshawn Lynch, but this is a real running attack in San Francisco, and they can't really stop the pass either. So I don't really see them staying within that 7.5, but I still would call this game under. How do you see it? Yeah, I totally agree. I just You look back at the box score in the previous meeting this season, and Aaron Rodgers had one of his worst performances of the season. He couldn't find any open receivers and had no time in the pocket. Mm -hmm. And that was without several key San Francisco defenders in that game. So I'm just not sure how the Green Bay Packers are going to be able to move the ball at all in this game. And uh, I'm right there with you. I think that Aaron Jones is going to have a little bit of a long day. I like his prop, his rushing prop under in this game. And uh, Mm -hmm. I definitely would be looking to bet on the 49ers as well. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. Um, I mean, they held Dalvin Cook to like 18 yards rushing, and mm-hmm. he's 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 definitely a better running back, and I think an even better offense than the Vikings. So it, that would probably be the shock of the weekend if this happens. Um, if if meaning if Green Bay can win this game, so it's interesting that the number is so low. I do know that that's respect for Aaron Rodgers, but in this in the end, I I would think that the public, well, maybe that's the public keeping it down. I mean, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you definitely have a public team in the Green Bay Packers. They are America's team, and I'm sure that there's some public money that's going to be coming in on them just because it's a championship game and it seems like a high total, or I mean a high spread. But um, Mm -hmm. another angle that you could look to play on this game is just that, like we talked about last week, this Green Bay Packers offense usually comes out with a script and tends to have a little bit of scoring success in the first quarter of these football games. So if you are right. uh, got a chance where Green Bay maybe takes an early 7 nothing lead, there could be right. a decent chance to get the San Francisco 49ers side under the touchdown. Yeah, that's smart. That's a smart. That's why you listen to this, America. You listen to action and it's good tips. That's a really good tip. Um, I agree with you. So Aaron Joe's under as a prop. Any other props? Maybe like a – I don't even know what Aaron Rodgers – passing props would be but you know it that he hasn't really passed the ball that much this year mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh we can pull them up here aaron Rodgers' pass yards 239 and a half seems rather low mm. for this game does seem low because they're going to probably be losing and have to throw mm-hmm. but uh it's probably a good number really he hasn't been putting up big numbers, though, that's for sure. One thing one thing that I would probably consider looking at these Aaron Rodgers props is maybe a small play on the rushing yards over 12 and a mm-hmm. half, minus 115 at five dimes. I think that if the Packers are going to have any success moving the ball, he's going to need to look to run a little bit. If you recall in the first meeting, he was under pressure throughout, and uh, historically he's taken those opportunities as spots to step up in the pocket and maybe get a couple of cheap first downs that way. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Um, do you think that, I mean, the only handicap I can see as being like an issue would be, this is Jimmy G's big game, right? This is, you know, why he was brought in. Uh, he may not have to do it with that defense and the running game, but if the Packers, the one thing I think they can do fairly well is rush the passer. Mm-hmm. And if they can put some pressure on Jimmy G with some turnovers, a la, Lamar Jackson in the previous round, maybe then it's, you know, tighten up time for the Niners. And if they're behind, you know, 14 points or something and Garoppolo has to chuck it, that's the only thing I can see as the negative side of the handicap. Yeah, it's certainly possible the Niners could 
have a couple turnovers, but certainly something that's difficult to predict. And mm-hmm. uh, I would still probably lean to the Niners myself. Gotcha. In fact, right, well, let's talk. Uh, What's it? I, I was just going to add, uh, you. I know you and I both are holding Kansas City Super Bowl tickets. And just before we jumped on the podcast this afternoon, I was thinking of creative ways to hedge against that and mm-hmm. certainly could wait until the Super Bowl and take the other side. But I right. locked in a small play on San Francisco to win the Super Bowl at 185 thinking okay. that's probably going to be a better number than we're going to get next week after they beat the Packers. No, agreed, agreed. 185, huh? Because I'm seeing Ben online at, oh, I see, it's specific to a, an opponent. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They've kind of changed that. If 49ers to beat the Chiefs, I see plus 225, but I guess you'd have to have that outcome for sure. Right. You are risking the possibility that the Titans upset the Chiefs, but we can talk about right. that now. Right. <laughs> Well, let's talk about it now. We've got the big game, and I wish this was – I know that – I get why they did it to put the later game. They probably thought it was going to be, who knows, um, in, you know, Russell Wilson and, mm-hmm. you know, Drew Brees or something. But now you've got the Kansas City Chiefs are hosting Tennessee at, you know, 305 Eastern, 205 Central. They're also seven-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 53. Uh, you know, the Titans have the recipe, right? It's, it's old-school football, right? It's 1970s football out there. They're just ramming it down your throat, daring you to beat them. Defensively, they're playing really well, though. I still think this number is too short, and I I know that these teams played earlier this year, uh, and actually Tennessee won the game. That was in Nashville. I just think that Kansas City has peaked, and they are playing at the level that they needed to play to win the the Super Bowl, and I don't think seven halves is enough points, to be honest with you. Total 53, I think it's over. I know that that's the homer play. But I just think that that's the way to go here. And, um, you know, I, obviously I want to win my bet, but I wouldn't be upset if the Titans win. I think that they're a great team to watch. And, you know, with Henry's just a, another level of human. He's like another species. But um, And Vrabel's great. But I just think Tannehill is going to have to win one of these games at some point. I don't think he can do it against this defense. Yeah, I concur. I already laid the points with Kansas City as well. And in fact, it looks like there's a couple of sevens that are trending here. I bet Chris and okay. Sportsbook on my screen are both showing a flat seven. So if you're interested in the Chiefs, certainly would like to see that instead of the hook. Um, right. But I, I think you're spot on. This Kansas City team got their wake-up call in the first quarter of the divisional round, and I don't yep. expect them to take a step back in this one. Um, I definitely think that Derrick Henry is going to have some success this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he ran for almost 200 yards in the first meeting, but sure. when you look back at the box score, it didn't really result in a ton of points for them. They still had to scratch and claw to get that 35-32 victory, and that also included a defensive score, if my memory serves me. And mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that Tennessee is going to be able to score enough to keep up with this Kansas City offense. Tennessee has a terrible secondary 21st ranked against the pass and I think that they're even worse than Houston in that regard so Mm -hmm. I believe that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and company are going to put up plenty of points and can cover this number easily right you know in some ways you know the the way to stop Jackson last week as they said was just to kind of stick everybody in the middle and make it throw the outsides and 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 Lamar and I don't know what was going on with the coaching staff. They weren't willing to adjust and they couldn't do it. Uh, Mahomes could throw the ball anywhere mm-hmm. and they could run the ball. 
Um, you know, they haven't done a lot of running, but I think that they can. And in this game, it just boils down to can they slow Henry enough to have, you know, basically get a lead and make Tannehill throw the ball. And I do like that pass rush for Kansas City a lot. It's, it's going to be an intriguing game. I think unlike the other games that Tennessee's played, who've controlled tempo pretty much from the start, you know, it doesn't matter if they control tempo. It could be kind of like that game last year when the Patriots went in there. They owned the first half but held on for dear life to win in overtime. It could be something like that. Yeah. So that's where, you know, and it looks like the sharp money, but the I bet online, it, you know, the 7.5 is minus 120. So whatever. I mean, it, it's looking like the number – could be in your favor, but I, I just think that Kansas City is just playing at this level. It's just one of these things you can see, but but we'll see. That's going to be the game of the weekend, in my opinion, so hopefully it lives up to the hype. You like a couple of props in there. You're talking about Tennessee field goals. You want to, I've heard this as well. Yeah. Talk about this uh, handicap because it's fascinating. Yeah, the Tennessee Titans just don't kick field goals. Uh, over the last 10 games, they've scored, uh, I can't even count them, countless number of times and they have converted one field goal in the last That's 10 crazy. games they have a new kicker on the roster uh, greg joseph who was signed in week mm. 16 and he hasn't even attempted a field goal in the four mm. games that he's played so i'm looking at some creative props here at five dimes i am looking at going under one field goal made for tennessee titans at plus 225 which i think is worth a shot considering their recent history and when you look at their opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs are a team that you're not going to beat by kicking field goals. So mm. I expect Mike Vrabel to take some chances in those cases where they may get stopped in the red zone. And I think it's worth the shot at plus 225. You can also find some value if you're looking to go under one and a half field goals or two, two and a half. Um, the juice does get rather pricey once you get to the two and a half range, though. Okay. Good. I've heard about the field goal thing, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know, to me, it's like a lot of these props, you do more props than I do. Um, sometimes they make sense, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but this one definitely makes sense. So they're not going to kick field goals in this game anyway, right? <laughs> right? Um, they're just going to have to keep up with touchdowns um, maybe at the end of the game or something. Or if it goes from, like I said, the end of the game to overtime, maybe there's another one there. But um, True. That's another big part of this, too. If you expect that, it's going to be a little bit larger margin. Like we talked about, Kansas City winning by over 7.5, then it's unlikely there's going to be field goals in an end-of-game type situation. Exactly. And then what about Tannehill, the under 232? You still like the under. You think even though I think they'll be trailing, you think they're not going to be chucking a little bit here and there? Yeah, I certainly think that they're going to throw it more than they have the last few weeks, but... I also don't think that Tannehill is going to get over this number, 232 passing yards. Uh, you've got a Kansas City secondary who has been playing very well lately, sixth ranked against the pass. And mm -hmm. I really think that Tennessee is going to be able to get some yardage on the ground through Derrick Henry. Okay. So uh, sure. I, I'm going to take a shot at this under again for uh, Tannehill pass yards. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'll stay away from that one personally. I won't do any props this weekend. Just stick to my sides. I'm not gonna. I'm probably gonna jinx my jinx myself at this point. I've been eight and zero with the totals, so still feel good about my totals in this one too. What, and both both these games. What's your lean on the total in the second one? Uh, over. Okay. I mean Kansas City, right? Yeah. Yeah, over. yeah. Yeah. I think that 
53 is still a big number, and it's you know close to what it was last week with 50. I just see Kansas City scoring at least 28 in this one, at least, mm-hmm. you know. And I think you're right. I think Tennessee's going to score. I don't think – no bones about it. It's going to be a higher-scoring game. Well, you know, 53 is an interesting number, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 35-25 or, or something in that range or more. So I like that 53. Okay. But the other one I think under, I think San Francisco, once they get ahead, they'll just ground and pound and, and you know, they'll be celebrating going to the bowl. Mm-hmm. I hope so. That's right. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our episode. I mean, it seems short, but it's always long. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to America. <laughs> uh, follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Wexpool on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, next week, uh, looking to squeeze in a little bit of NBA updates. We're Ooh. about the midpoint of the season, so I'd like to talk about some trends, some over-under teams, and good teams against the spread, and perhaps an update on Ben Simmons' three-point shooting prowess. He has shot one, at least. <laughs> Long way to go <laughs> to get to 73, my friend. I know, I know. Awesome. We'll hit that up next week, then. All right. Peace out, everybody. Have a good week. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER intro and outro and transition music credits song titles jerry 5 and district 4 by kevin mcleod at incompetech.org license under creative commons attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0